This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, it's Annie Grace, and I am answering readers' questions. And today I have a question from Hannah. And so she says, I can't thank you enough for your positive and inspiring work. You give so much hope for all the people who struggle with alcohol. That's awesome. (laughs) You give us our dignity back. Love really is the answer. And you give me this feeling that you care for addictive persons with love instead of treating them with shame and guilt. It's the first time in my life that I don't feel alone and misunderstood. That makes me so happy. So that's great. Um, You are important in my life, even if I don't personally know you. You are also important in my life. That's awesome. Um, Thank you for sending this. This is very important for me to just hear your words. So she says, if my English isn't perfect, I excuse myself. I'm from Belgium. Your audiobook changed my beliefs forever. It opened so many doors to reach for help. Just the fact I don't feel alone in this anymore and that I'm not blaming myself so much is a huge relief. Sadly, I'm not able to be sober for more than 12 days. I have this stubborn belief that the longer I'm sober, the closer I am to relapse. I feel cravings getting bigger the longer I'm sober, like a tension that builds up. Sometimes it makes me scared to be sober because I notice that if I drink every day a little, it is better for me than not drinking and feeling this huge tension and relapse in a dangerous way. And this keeps me stuck and I'm scared of those relapses. Any tips about this? My second question concerns medications like abuse. How do you feel about it? It enhances, I feel it enhances my belief that I can't do this on my own, that only this pill helps me sustain, but I desperately want to get, gain control over this myself without feeling deprived. And abuse reinforces its feeling, it seems. It's like my problem got worse since I tried and abuse because whenever I don't take it, I experience the learned hopelessness, very interesting psychology, and I feel that I can't do it on my own. But I desperately want to do it for myself, so I stop the and abuse. But it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy because I believe that and abuse does more harm than good. It puts the responsibility to the pill and not to me personally. So I feel helpless and then my relapses are more severe. At least that's my experience. Can you talk a little bit about the fact that medication can actually reinforce your unconscious to believe that you're not in control? I feel this is really true, but there's no research about it. I hope you're willing to think about this. The mind is very important and the placebo effect can also work in a negative way. So, wow, um, those are excellent questions, Hannah. So first of all, I'm so glad that you don't feel alone. I mean, that that's really, really important and really, really powerful. I think that um, I really want to talk a little bit about your first question here, which is not being able to say, stay sober for longer than 10 days because the cravings build up. So what I'd like you to do with this is I'd like you to really, the next time you do a period of sobriety, I'd like you to really journal every single day and write down what those cravings feel like um, and figure out if they are if there's a reason behind them if there's something some belief that you haven't knocked down like do you just not feel that life will be fun do you feel like you won't be able to relax do you or is it just completely you know a, a thing that you can't even put into words you just feel like you want alcohol and it builds and builds and builds um, a lot of times when we feel cravings that build over time, because theoretically, physiologically, at 12 days, your cravings should be physically decreasing or almost non-existent because your body has had enough time not only to purge the alcohol, but to rebalance itself. But if your cravings are getting more, that tells me that it's probably psychological. And I think uh, the psychological aspect 
often we crave something we desire and there's still a reason that you desire alcohol. And so we need to really nail down what that reason is and get to the bottom of that reason. And that's where um, the magic happens. That's where things can change for you in, in regard to that. So I would be really trying to be a detective about what is it that you still think alcohol provides you in terms of a benefit. And then either go back to the book and read those chapters or go to my YouTube channel and look up videos on those chapters or the podcast and just really start inundating your mind with the counter to that. So if you, it's all about relaxation, you know, really start to go through people's stories. Um, on, on my blog, I have like a bazillion naked mind stories that people write all about the things in their life. And so really do that or go back and maybe even in the book on the part of relaxation, read the studies I cite because that's really eye-opening as well. So I would just go and really try to identify what is it exactly that is creating that that craving and desire because it doesn't feel like it's physical at 12 days, all right? And then the second part of your question is what do I think about medications like antabuse? So I have not, you're the first person that I've really talked to personally um, or in email communication with that's used antabuse. So I don't know much about antabuse. I believe that it makes you feel ill when you drink and then you don't drink so that you don't feel ill. And so it's almost like this insurance or protection. Um, I think that antabuse, you're right about something like that. What that does is it's saying, okay, I have this reason not to drink. And, but your, your, your only reason is not because you don't want to drink, not because you've changed your thinking about drinking to the point where it's let go of you, not because you put in that type of work to perhaps learn how to relax without a drink so you don't need a drink. Your only reason is you don't want to drink because you don't want to get sick because of this pill. So that is definitely making you feel like an abuse is your reason not to drink. And you need to do um, enough of like exploring and research to feel like, here's all the reasons I don't want to drink. So before we get into this question too much, I want to give you two more things that I highly recommend for cravings. Um, one is, and I will have to find a link for it and put it below, but it is called Urge Surfing. And there is actually an eight minute audio and it was done by a professor. And what they did is they took people and they put them in a room and they had them, they were all smokers, cigarette smokers, and they had them not smoke for 12 hours. So their cravings were really intense. And they put them in a room and they gave them, let's pretend this is a pack of cigarettes, right? They gave them a pack of cigarettes. They had to look at it. And then they had them become really mindful of what they felt when they looked at the pack of cigarettes. And then they had them open it and become really mindful. And this craving is building and building and building. It's getting stronger and stronger. So they became really mindful. Then they had them undo the cellophane mindful, all right? Smell them, mindful. Pack the cigarettes, mindful. Take out a cigarette, mindful. And they were pausing in between each of these actions. So take out a cigarette and you'd have three or four minutes of just like, there's a cigarette in your hand. You're like jonesing to smoke it. It's crazy. You want it so badly. You're smelling it. You get it up to your lips. You put it in your mouth, but you don't light it. You get the lighter out, but you don't actually light it. And then you put it all away and you leave. Now, every one of these people walked out of that building and they went to the parking lot and they smoked a cigarette, okay? But Here's what happened that was really interesting. We are so afraid of cravings. 
we feel, cravings feel horrible. They feel like our skin is coming off. They feel like so distracting that we can't think about anything else. We feel on fire. We feel uncomfortable. We feel like all we want to do is run away from the craving. I remember for me, I knew after I drink, I feel like, oh, I hate this. But before I drink, I had that craving and I hated the craving more. So even though I didn't like being drunk, I hated the craving so much that I would be like, oh, well, I'll just be drunk. <laughs> and that's how bad cravings can be. And so what happened with this group of people in this experiment, and this has been proven multiple times, not just one experiment, is that when they allowed themselves to feel the fullness of the craving, their fear from the craving went away, okay? And so these people who all went outside to smoke a cigarette immediately after this experiment, I think 60% of them over the next four to five weeks, some of them quit entirely, some of them cut down drastically. It was a huge reduction naturally without any conscious thought in overall smoking because we give into that craving because we're afraid of how bad it can be and we're afraid that it won't go away. And what they learned by doing this is that cravings will go away. They're feelings and they come and they, they peak and they leave, right? And um, they're not actually going to kill us. <laughs> And so um, I would do this, you know, if I was having a craving, I would, I would like, if someone else was having a drink, I would smell it and I just feel how that felt and just let myself feel it. And it was incredible how much that let go of me. So there's an audio file um, to support this and it's called surfing the urge. And it just is like a guided meditation through when an urge comes, how to just become mindful of it, how to watch it, how to become an observer from it, how to detach yourself from it and how to not let it be. So let it be so powerful, experience its power and then walk away from it and allow yourself a break. So this craving builds and builds and builds. You let yourself do all the things, but then you say, okay, I'm going to take 15 minutes. And I'm going to set a timer. Maybe I'm going to go outside, but I'm going to take 15 minutes. And then I'm going to decide if I'm going to have this drink or not. So that's one of the things I wanted to say about that. But I did want to say something else in regards to your second question about medication. So while I think Anabuse does do what you say, you know, the only reason you're not drinking is because you're I do think, and I've heard lots and lots of people in my community talk very highly about the drug um, naltrexone. So what naltrexone does is you don't stop drinking on it. So that's very much in line with this naked mind where you don't actually stop something until you want to stop it. You don't stop something and create that sense of deprivation. With anabuse, you're creating a massive sense of deprivation because you're just, the only reason you're not doing it is, is to not get sick on anabuse. So it, it's not doing anything for your mindset. Whereas with naltrexone, you take the naltrexone an hour before you drink, but you take it very consistently. Um, and you take it an hour before you drink, you have the drink. So you're not experiencing the craving because you're actually having the drink. But naltrexone blocks the pleasure pathway in your brain so that any of that artificial stimulation that you are going to get from that drink, you don't register. And so what happens is it allows you the ability to have experiences that you might have been getting really drunk at before, mostly sober because most people don't drink much on naltrexone because it's not pleasurable. There's no artificial stimulation. There's no like huge rush. And so you have your, your, your drink and you're like, Oh, this isn't, this isn't all that great. And then, um, and then you just put it away. And then all of a sudden you have an entire night of being out and just having a half a glass of wine. And like that really reinforces the belief that alcohol is not that important in your life. And so 
a huge majority of people, and not a majority, but I think up to 40% of people who use naltrexone actually go on to, um, to just stop altogether because when they use it, you know, consistently, they decide they just don't want to need it. So I'd, I think that's a very different kind of crutch because that sort of crutch actually, it helps you. The biggest changer of your unconscious is going to be your own experiences. So if you can have your own experiences doing things and not being drunk and enjoying it, because when you're doing it and not drunk, but you're craving the drink that is not enjoying it, that is living in the space of craving. When you're doing it and you're not craving it because you've had the naltrexone and you've got that glass of wine, even though it's not that attractive to you, that's a very, very different outcome. So anyway, I don't know if you can get that um, where you are, but I would uh, you know, maybe look into it. I'm going to post two links for you. I'm going to post the surfing the urge audio file, and I'm going to post a, um, a podcast episode that I did with a woman named Claudia Christensen. And she has, um, a foundation called C3. And so she has resources on her foundation page about where you can find naltrexone. And it's just, if you're considering naltrexone, it's a very worthwhile podcast to listen to. So thank you so much, Hannah, such a great question and have a wonderful day. This has been Annie Grace with This Naked Mind Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. You can learn more at thisnakedmind.com. And please remember to rate, review, and subscribe as it really helps us spread the word.